alien spacecraft did not crash in Roswell, New Mexico in 1947. You know flat earthers, I guarantee it. But you don't know who they are because they're afraid of talking about it. Welcome to the 54th Annual Subliminal Deception Podcast, your weekly dose of conspiracy theory bullshit. My name is Cody, and I'm joined by my pal, Phil. How are you? Doing great, buddy. How about yourself? Not doing too bad. You know what? Uh, It's funny because literally the last four days, it's been warm enough here where I could actually just wear a t-shirt, and today... In this basement that I'm recording from, it's actually fucking freezing. It's like literally freezing rain out right now, which is great. So uh, I guess winter's giving us one last blast. How's uh, how's the weather in your area? It's good. Uh, it was a little warm the past uh, few days when I was coming home, so I had to blast the AC. Really? But I'm still turning on the heat at night, so nah. I'm not quite past that yet. <laughs> the uh, allegedly, supposedly here, it's supposed to be like... 65 70s next week so maybe winter will finally be fucking dead yeah i'm hoping that uh well here i'm hoping we get a few more weeks of spring but it doesn't really matter because i can't go outside anyway so you know i got a question for you and i don't even know the answer so uh at at caribou coffee here they always have like a little trivia sign and you can get 10 cents off your order whatever you get it right and they had a sign and they're like which is spring the first, second, third, or fourth month of the year? Now, I think this is a trick, because it must be the second, right? Well, I think there's an official, like, start date for it, but I'm pretty sure it starts in, uh like, late April, early May. But I'm saying, is it the first, second, third, or fourth season of the year? Oh, that's a good fucking question. It would be the first season of the year, because technically... That's what winter, I thought. That's winter what I, starts um, before the New Year's, so it'd be like the first season. Well, that's what I thought too. But are they trying to trick you? Probably. I, that I don't know because technically winter's still going in the beginning of the year. So is it technically the second? I I don't know. Maybe somebody will reach out to us and tell us. I, I the first become it seems the most apparent one, but. If they don't want to give you a discount on your coffee, then maybe they're trying to trick you. Yeah, that is a good question. I know that back when the calendar first started, it was um, there was only 10 months because they considered January and February like the dead time when nothing grows. And then March was like the official start to like the new calendar. So I would say the first. Yeah. First season. Yeah. Maybe they're just trying to make people overthink it or something. So wait, how long was the 10 months thing? Is that like back in Roman times or what? Yeah, that was back in Roman times. Hmm. That's why December is DEC is 10, but it's the 12th month because back then there was only 10 months. Oh, okay. Well, I guess maybe that uh, thing where they believe maybe we're not actually in the year 2000. You remember that? Oh yeah, are you talking? Are you talking about the fact that they didn't observe like daylight savings times forever, or not the daylight savings time, the leap year forever, or the uh, there was an emperor who wanted to be like the new millennium emperor? 
Yeah. He like, jumped the calendar ahead of two to the thousand. Yeah, yeah, that thing where they we might not in the history of the world might not actually be in the year two thousand right now, but I, I don't know. That's a whole different it, conversation. But yeah, it might only be like the seventeenth century right now or something like that. <laughs> well, let's move on to uh, the hot sheets here. Let's get into Pauline Bennett's uh, World of the Unusual. We got some we got some hot ones this week. I kind of like them. Uh, let's start off with. UFOs piloted piloted by beautiful people, okay? A paper mill worker said he had an amazing conversation with beautiful invaders from outer space as they stood beside their UFO. Uh, Mario Luisi uh, said he was walking his dog after dark when he heard a strange noise. Uh, then I saw the craft about 16 foot long and 8 feet high, said Mario, a, a resident of uh, Preston, England. I don't know where that is. You ever heard of it? No, I've never heard of it. Uh, a man and a woman were next to it. They were the most beautiful people I've ever seen. Uh, he said both were blonde and wore skin tight suits. I've heard this about aliens before. Uh, Mario said the woman spoke to him in English and warned him to not reveal certain things he saw, particularly the markings on the UFO, then was released unharmed. Mario said he'll keep his promise uh, to the space people and never disclose everything he saw or learned that night. Now, is Mario full of shit or did he actually see super sexy alien people? I have to ask, did he offer them any spaghetti or linguine or any other Italian dish? Are Italian people, uh, Italian people allowed in England? I'm pretty sure they are. <laughs> There's got to be some in there, I'm guessing. Um, just from his name. Uh, yeah, that's kind of crazy. You do hear about like the Nordics. The, uh, they supposedly like, they look like they're from like Norway. The tall, um, Caucasian-looking aliens. Yeah, you covered him on uh, one of your episodes, right? That guy, was he in Arizona or Nevada or something? Yeah, we've talked about him a few times. We talked about them and then the tall whites, which are the, the weird looking ones, the ones that get to be like nine feet tall. Oh, yeah, the like, the fucking like uh, shack ones or whatever. Oh, yeah, the, when they get old, they're like 11 feet tall and they have to like support themselves with another, you know, alien person. Dude, I was watching. Oh. I was watching an Instagram video of Shaq and his kids. His like two, I think they're his two daughters, and they, they're seriously like three inches shorter than he is. Really, they're super tall too. Yeah. Oh, I was shocked. Yeah, that's one of those things. Uh, there's a there's a difference between someone who's like Andre the Giant, who has like a disorder to get that tall. All of his family members are like super short compared to he was. But then there's Shaq, who's like genetically tall. So you got to imagine, like, if you're one of his kids looking up at him, you're going to be like, man, I'm going to be fucking like 6'6 six, six someday. <laughs> How tall is Shaq? 6'6? Six, six? He, no, he's seven foot at Ooh, least. I know he's Jesus. about seven, seven one. God damn. Anyway, let's uh, let me read this other story here. It says Chinese Bigfoot father's human baby. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Chinese scientists investigating thousands of new monkey men. And monkey men reports uh, have found an astounding incident in which one of the creatures fathered a human child. Uh, Professor Liu reported the poor creature was born in uh, 
Sichuan Providence, I think that's how you say that, in 1939 after its mother had been carried off by a monkey man, the Chinese name for Bigfoot. I've never heard him refer to him as monkey man before. Uh, the woman was never able to explain what happened, the professor says. The child was kept alive for years, he says, but apparently died because of a mixture of ape and human genes. Makes sense. He says monkey men reports go back 2,000 years in China's history, and recently there has been an upsurge in sighting. So, apparently they refer to him as monkey men. I, I guess a Bigfoot and a human probably wouldn't be able to mate together. Well, I don't know. It might be one of those... Uh... Those missing link things. I know that uh, like early humans and Neanderthals were able to mate, but they were pretty close on the whole evolutionary scale. Are they possibly just seeing a very ugly person and then just throwing <laughs> stones at him and scaring him off into the woods? I mean, it, I could see this being Gary Busey. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> when I think of ugly people, he's the first person that comes to my mind. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just had that image in my head of Gary Busey <laughs> skulking into a village and getting scared off. <laughs> All right, let's hear her prediction for the week real quick. Uh, an incredible photograph of a UFO will be taken by Secret Service agents patrolling Ron, uh, President Reagan's California ranch. Okay, I don't think that happened, but that'd be kind of neat. And I don't think they'd tell people about it. No, definitely. That'd stay hidden. Um, yeah, that would be pretty cool. I know, I don't think it was Ronald Reagan. I think it might've been Jimmy Carter who admitted to seeing a UFO at one point in his life. I could but, see it, you know, peanut farmers, man, they probably have seen some shit. Oh yeah. You know, he lived it like, <laughs> out there on the fucking farm. Um, yeah, I don't know too many secret service agents who just kind of carried cameras on them and, you know, I think they were a little bit more busy mm. than... Looking for UFOs in the sky. Yeah, they're probably uh, drinking and everything else, apparently, according to the uh, last podcast on the left episode. They're a little bit too busy whoring around. No, actually, <laughs> yeah. I had a I had a friend. Um, they were one of the people who disables bombs, and they had to work with some uh, Secret Service agents. And this person uh, actually said that the Secret Service agents that um, they were uh, – like around were just partied like crazy. <laughs> she was doing something for the vice president. And uh, yeah, I mean, it makes was, sense, right? Yeah. All right. Should we move on to the meat and potatoes of subliminal deception here? Yeah, let's go for it. Okay. Have you ever heard of MV is spelled Joyita, but I guess it's pronounced Hoyita, uh, AKA, the Mary Celeste of the South Pacific. Have you ever heard of this? No. Okay. So the MV Hoyita was a merchant vessel from which 25 passengers and crew mysteriously disappeared in the South Pacific in October of 1955. Now, what makes this an interesting uh, case is they still have zero explanation of what happened to all of these people they have no fucking idea how they disappeared but it's a very interesting story um initially when i was looking into this i thought it was a uh 
Bermuda Triangle story, but it's uh, definitely pretty far from there. So, but it's still well, really weird. There is the uh, there's the Bermuda Triangle, which is in the Caribbean. Then there's the on the opposite side of the world. There's like the Dragon Triangle, which is um, in the Pacific Ocean. Uh, so it could have been that. Have you yeah, ever heard of that? Uh, uh-uh, I haven't. It this is like I'll kind of go over the location where it is, but it's it's basically in between. Uh, Australia and Japan, kind of. I think that's where the Dragon Triangle is. Really? Actually. Okay. Yeah. Well, then maybe on, uh, once we get to what could have happened, we can uh, add that in there. I, I, there is zero mention of that, so which is uh, that's pretty cool. Now let's talk about the construction and travels prior to the disappearance. Uh, the 69-foot wooden ship was built in 1931 as a luxury yacht by the Wilmington Boat Works in Los Angeles for movie director Ronald West. No idea who this is. Uh, He named the ship for his wife, actress Jewel Camille, uh, Carmenil, I think it's Carmenil, and uh, Huita in Spanish means the little jewel. That's why the J is silent, apparently. It looks like Joyita, J-O-Y-I-T-A. Make sense? Hoita. Hoita, yeah. So kind of like how the name Juanita is <laughs> spelled with a J, but spelled with a, like a Y. Or, Juanita. Or Jalapeno, which is actually Jalapeno. <laughs> and that is exactly how it's said too. <laughs> <laughs> you better believe Bianca was uh, correcting me on this, since uh, <laughs> Spanish is her first language. Anyway. Uh, in 1939, the ship was sold and registered to Milton E. Beacon. During this period, she made numerous trips uh, south to Mexico and in 1939 to 1940, Golden Gate International Exposition in San Francisco. Goddamn, that's a mouthful. Uh, now, in World War II, in October... During World War II, in October 1941, just before the attack on Pearl Harbor, Hoyita was acquired by the United States Navy and taken to Pearl Harbor, uh, Hawaii. Now, while at Pearl Harbor, uh, she was outfitted for yard, as a yard patrol boat named uh, YP-108. Uh, the Navy used her to patrol the big island of Hawaii until the end of World War II. Now... I, I'm going to have to post you a picture of this or give you a link to it because it's weird it's considered a yacht and a patrol boat because it looks pretty tiny in the pictures, but apparently it can hold quite a few people. So uh, in 1943, the ship had been badly damaged, but the Navy uh, was in desperate need, so they repaired it and upgraded the ship. Now we'll learn more about their upgrades later. It's basically... They added a refrigeration unit to it and kind of removed some of the old pipes and put in galvanized steel in it or galvanized metal of some sort. I don't know if that makes it more sturdy. Do you know? Um, If they replaced all the old pipes and replaced them with galvanized steel, maybe they're, the old pipes that it had when it first started were starting to corrode and go bad. So, well, I, is galvanized metal is it's not supposed to rust? Is that that's right? Isn't it? Yeah, that's basically. Yeah, it's 
if they if they replaced all of it with galvanized steel, they were probably worried about rusting. So I'm guessing all the old pipes were rusting out. Yeah, it is. It is odd that during World War Two, they would like see like use for a wooden boat. But I guess if you need boats, you know, it sounded like they were desperate. They just needed something there. They needed eyes out on the water. Well, they were also really worried about Japanese subs, too. Uh, That's true. It is kind of crazy that this boat was at Pearl Harbor before it was attacked and apparently didn't get damaged. Uh, Somehow got damaged afterwards. But (laughs) (laughs) well, if it was if it was in Pearl Harbor, like during the attack, it was probably in dry dock or they were headed in an area where they were fixing it. The place that really got attacked was the um, like the lines of the battleships and some of the onshore um, like airfields and like the bigger buildings. So they wouldn't have actually attacked a smaller ship like that because they were saving their torpedoes and their bombs for the big ones. So or maybe they're too scared of Hoita and just were like, that thing is too badass, man. We're not attacking that. <laughs> yeah, they. <laughs> We're not attacking that. Let's go for the Arizona instead. Yeah, that's that's a solid idea there. They're probably like, is that Ronald West's boat? Man, I love that guy. (laughs) Anyway, after World War II, um, the MV Hoyita was just sitting in Navy surplus, and then they would obviously just end up selling it off because they didn't have any use for it. Uh, in 1948, Hoyita was sold to the firm of the Lewis uh, Lewis brothers. No idea who they are. Uh, at this point, cork lining was added to the ship's hull, along with a ref- uh, along with refrigeration equipment, like I talked about. Uh, the ship had two gray marine diesel engines providing 225 horsepower, along with two extra diesel engines for generators. So. This thing can kind of haul ass. I mean, I don't know. It's pretty big, but this seems pretty uh, pretty powerful for a ship, right? Yeah. Well, I don't know. I really don't know, like, what – if you would have built a, built a yacht like that size, what engines you would have put in it. So, like, at I mean, the time, it, you said 1948, so. Well, this is, that's their upgraded engines. In oh, I, those are the brand new engines. These oh, are okay. the new yeah. ones. Yeah. So uh, – I mean, obviously, I've never rode in a yacht, but like, talking modern day, let's say a boat my dad had a long time ago had like 50 horsepower engine, and that thing could, you know, haul ass. So, two 225 horsepower engines, pretty good. Yeah. Although maybe they're just in there just so it can travel a long distance, perhaps? I don't know. Yeah. Well, once you get a boat going up to speed, you don't really need a ton, you know. Yeah. I guess... Like I said, the picture doesn't make it look that big, but I guess 61 foot is, uh, or 69 foot, I should say, is a pretty good sized boat. Yeah, if you knew someone who owned a 69 foot boat, they would be probably your richest friend, so. (laughs) I was, it was on, I think it was on Instagram or something, it was like some billionaire's yacht. This thing looked like the fucking size of a goddamn cruise ship, like who needs that? for themselves yeah those fucking billionaires who basically have like a small yacht in the swimming pool of their large yacht (laughs) it's oh my god it's i was insane it's just it's fucking insane anyway uh in 1950 william uh tavars became the owner however he had little use for the vessel and sold it in 1952 to dr catherine uh 
Lumala, a professor at the University of Hawaii, she chartered the boat to her friend, Captain Thomas H. Dusty Miller, a, a British-born sailor living in Samoa. Uh, Miller used the ship as a trading and fishing charter boat. So that leads us up to this point. Currently, Captain Thomas H. Dusty Miller is basically going to become a very, very important figure in this entire story. So I don't know how they got the nickname Dusty from Thomas. I, I don't know how that works, but apparently that's how it is. Just like every other Dusty gets it, probably from his balls. <laughs> well, usually <laughs> it's like you call someone Dusty if it rhymes with their name, like Rusty or like their name's maybe even Dustin. Isn't Dusty Rhodes? Wasn't his first name Dustin? Yeah, I think it's. Well, I know, yeah, his name was Dustin, pretty sure. Yeah. That, that's that's like the obvious, you know, Dusty and Dustin, but is, maybe, I don't know, maybe it's one of those old sailor nicknames that he picked up along the way. Isn't Dusty Rhodes' kid, like, running one of the uh, leagues now or something? Oh, yeah, Cody Rhodes. Cody Rhodes. He's one Rhodes. of the big wigs at AEW. Ah, okay, all right. Isn't Triple H in there, too, or is, what does he run? He runs NXT. Which is part of WWE. <sighs> There's so many of them, I can't keep track anymore. But yeah, uh, are they... they're all about to fucking go out of business because no one's going to the shows right now. Well, I thought that's how they. Uh, that's how they. There. There's no audience, but they're still wrestling, and it's on TV, right? Yeah, I think they're about to stop doing that because it's their ratings have gone to the fucking toilet because it's not as good when there's no one watching. <laughs> they gotta just put up speakers and people shouting and shit. Yeah, that'd be a great idea, actually. <laughs> anyway, uh, so here's our voyage. Uh, about 5 a.m. on October 3rd, 1955, Hoita left Samoa Apia Harbors bound for the uh, Tokulu Islands. It's either Tokilu or yeah, maybe it's Tokilau. I don't know. Sorry, I don't know how to pronounce it. About You said it well enough. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> so the journey was going to be 270 miles, approximately. Uh, the boat had been scheduled to leave on the noontide the previous day, but her departure was delayed because her port engine clutch failed. Uh, so because of the clutch failure, the vessel decided to make its voyage with only one functioning engine. Now, MV Hoita was carrying 16 crew members and nine passengers, including a government official, a doctor named Alfred Andy Dennis Parsons, <laughs> Jesus Christ, uh, who is a World War II surgeon on his way to perform an amputation. Yikes. Okay. A uh, Copra buyer and two children. Now, her cargo consisted of medical supplies, timber, 80 empty 40-gallon oil drums, and various foodstuffs. So, it's a packed-ass ship, right? Yeah. When the ship departed, it was expected to take about 41 to 48 hours to reach uh, Tokilu Island and fill up with Copra and then return back to Samoa. Pretty, uh pretty normal trip that it had probably taken several times. On October 6th, the Faka Ofo port reported that the ship was overdue for its arrival. Now, the entire time, the port did not receive any sort of distress signal, 
nothing, no communication from the ship at all. So between October 6th and the 12th, a search and rescue mission was launched by the Royal New Zealand Air Force. They covered an area of about 100,000 square miles, but couldn't find a single (laughs) sign of the ship. That was nice of them to send out their one helicopter they had. <laughs> I don't know. In 1955, like what what would have their uh, air travel been like? Like, could they have anything good? 1955, it, their helicopters at that time would have just been like those, the ones that you saw like in MASH, like those <laughs> tiny little ones. I don't think they'd have a very good helicopters. Maybe they would have sent out some like some some planes I would, with some people looking out the side, you know? I mean, I would assume if you're covering 100,000 square miles over six days, like, you must have a decent plane or something. I, I don't know. Like a line of planes, maybe, just going out looking for them. <laughs> All them Kiwi pilots flying over looking for them. And, I, and you know they're shit-faced. So. <laughs> Are New Zealanders known for drinking? I don't know. I just assume everyone's known for drinking. <laughs> it's a pretty safe bet. Well, we know Australians are, but we don't. I don't know. The New Zealanders don't like Australians, and vice versa. So, who knows? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I'll say. Okay, so finally, after five weeks on November November tenth, uh, Gerald Douglas, captain of the merchant ship Tavalu, came upon the ship, which at this point was more than six hundred miles off of its intended route. Now, the most perplexing thing was that not a single person was on the ship. Uh, The ship was partially submerged and listing heavily. Do you know what that means? It means it was just kind of floating, like directionless. uh, Basically, the poor deck rail was awash. I learned a lot of, like, sailor terminology, which makes zero sense, but... uh, But yeah, they got some interesting terms for like a damaged ship. Anyway, now it was later said that it would have been impossible to completely sink the ship because it was fitted with the refrigeration unit and it has such a large amount of cork that it couldn't sink. Also, the empty fuel tanks would have kept it buoyant. So that'll become a very important part of... of kind of the reasonings of why the people are missing, but we'll talk about that in a little bit. Now, here's just a breakdown of some of the things they found in the wreckage. Uh, Barnacle growth high above the usual water line on the port side showed that the Hoita had been listing heavily for quite some time. There was some damage to the superstructure. Her flying bridge had been smashed away, and the deckhouse had light damage and broken windows, a canvas awing had been rigged on the top of the deck house behind the bridge. Uh, Huita carried a ding. <laughs> I can't even say his dinghy, dinghy. You ever heard that word before? Dinghy, dinghy. Maybe it's just dinghy. You have you heard that before? No, what? I haven't heard that word. Okay, before. it's basically just life rafts. <laughs> oh, a dinghy. Yeah, is like it a, a dinghy? Little boat. Yeah, like fucking uh, like Tommy Boy. Diggy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> anyway, it had three of them, okay? So, but they were all missing, and it's also noted that they didn't have enough life jackets for everybody on board, which I'm sure at this time wasn't illegal, but I'm pretty sure now that's exceedingly illegal. 
Well, these guys took off with only one working engine, so I'm sure it was just one of those fuck it situations. <laughs> That's fuck it. True. This guy this doctor's gotta go fucking take someone's arm off. <laughs> That's weird. Like, why would you just board a cargo ship to go somewhere to cut someone's fucking arm or leg off? Well, if if that small island didn't have like a doctor to do it and they needed someone, then I guess, you know. You think for like he two, had to travel there. You think for like a two hundred and seventy mile trip it a plane would have been like a more reasonable option back then those tiny little islands probably didn't have an airport or it might have been too small for runways yeah yeah that's that's a good point uh so anyway the starboard engine was found uh to be covered by a mattress it's weird uh while the port engine's clutch was still partially disassembled disassembled but i'm assuming they just, because it was broken, they just left it in pieces when they went off with one engine, right? Yeah. Did you say that the boat was, you said it was partially submerged. Did you say it was I listing? Yes, it was, they called it listing heavily, which basically meant that it was leaning on one side. You know what? Let's pause. Yeah, that's, I just realized, I thought you meant kind of like just dead in the water moving. But yeah, listing is when it's like turned over a little bit. All right, now that Phil has seen the picture, if he kind of understands what it looks like, I'm sure you'll end up posting that picture with the Instagram and whatever, so everybody can kind of see what it looks like. Uh, Continuing on here, an auxiliary pump had been rigged in the engine room, mounted on a plank of wood slung between the main engines. However, it had not been connected. Uh, The radio on board was tuned to the International Distress Channel, but when the equipment was inspected, a break was found in the cable between the set and the aerial. Now, what this means basically is that usually it can broadcast a signal pretty far, right? But according to them, it would have limited the radio's range to about two miles. Okay? Yep. Now, the electronic clocks on board had been stopped at 1025 and the switches for the uh, cabin lighting and navigation lights were still on implying that whatever had occurred happened at night okay and we'll talk about what they think might have happened um a doctor's bag was found on deck containing a stethoscope a scalpel and four lengths of blood-stained bandages okay that'll be important as well there was still fuel in the huita's tanks Uh, From the amount used, it was calculated she made some uh, 243 miles before the vessel was abandoned. They estimate within about 50 miles of their destination, okay? Yep. When it was uh, recovered and finally inspected, it was found that a pipe in the raw water circuit of the engine's cooling system had failed due to galvanic corrosion allowing water into the uh, bilge, is it bilges or biogels? Oh, I have no idea. B-I-L-G-E-S. Bilges. Bilges, (laughs) okay, whatever. Sailors hit us up. Anyway, so as you can see, the the interesting things to note before we get into the possible theories of what could have happened is they know why it started taking water because one of the pipes started allowing water in. Um, The radio signal was limited whether they knew that or not at the time we don't know uh the doctor's bag with the blood-soaked bandages is very important and the fact that the clock stopped uh at 10 25 indicating 
something something happened at nighttime, okay? Those are kind yeah. of the four main things we need to know before we start talking about it. Now, like I said, not a single body or lifeboat had ever been found. Um, so they don't, it's like these people and the lifeboats just vanished into thin air. They have no fucking idea what happened to these people. Um, obviously the ocean's a very vast place. Um, but you'd think they would have found some, some sign that something happened, right? Yeah. I mean, the lifeboats were missing. So it kind of makes you think that maybe they like escaped, like they got off the boat. Yeah. Now, that see that theory brings us basically into our first uh theory which is something had to have happened to the captain because the captain would have known that this boat it was impossible to fully sink he would have been able to tell people that hey don't go off in the lifeboats or stay around this boat because it's impossible for it to sink you know what i mean yeah. He would have told them, don't abandon ship or else you probably will die in your little boats. So one of the leading theories is that either the captain, something happened to him where he died or he was incapacitated. He had a heart attack. He cut himself or I, you know, something like that. So that's one of their leading theories. Now, another. You do have to remember, we are in Paul Hogan territory here. Oh, so. <laughs> could he be that far out in the water? I don't know if crocodiles were involved, but you always have to suspect it when you're in the uh, Australia. A little, area. a little Subaru submarine came up and took them out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Now, one thing that one person believes that there could be something to this was Captain Miller's uh, American first mate, Chuck Simpson, uh, was known to have hated Captain Miller. Now... They think possibly either the first mate killed the captain while they were sailing and then the boat started sinking and he didn't know that it was unsinkable, right? Mm -hmm. Or that he incapacitated the captain somehow or something like that. That's one theory. So he takes out the captain. He doesn't, the boat starts sinking. He doesn't know what to do. They get in the life rafts and something happens to them where they just all vanish. That's one belief, okay? Makes sense, right? It's it's like a string of bad things, but it's entirely possible. Yeah. Or, or another theory that kind of leads into that one is that Chuck Simpson started a mutiny. He got all the passengers riled up, they took the captain out, then all the bad shit happened with the boat, and then they died. <laughs> they call it the they call it the mutiny theory. Like you don't hear about this shit in modern days. Usually, like this is like an old pirate thing, right? Yeah. Well, you wouldn't you wouldn't get all of the passengers to start a mutiny. I would get the crew because the passengers don't give a fuck. That's true. It's like being in a car ride. They just want to get to the where they're going. <laughs> they don't give a fuck about the the boat trip. You know. I guess te so technically you're right because. The majority of the ship was crew members. Yeah, you said there was nine passengers, 16 crew. So I would definitely get the crew members to help me. And then the passengers, you would just lock in their rooms or something, I'd guess, until it was all over. Maybe Chuck convinced them that, like, the captain was going to take all the money for transporting the uh, 
Copra or whatever. I don't know. Maybe he, maybe, I don't know. He could have. I don't trust yeah. anybody named Chuck, Chuck Simpson, but uh, I don't know. He, he, he could have been just a dick, I guess. Yeah, I've never been a big fan of anyone named Chuck that I've ever met. <laughs> I think I've only met like two or three of them, but. Espe- you know, a lot of people get the name Chuck if their first name's like Charles. Charles, but if, yeah. But if his legal first name was Chuck, I I don't I don't trust him. <laughs> he he came from bad stock if his mom named him Chuck. <laughs> be like, I know this guy's gonna be an asshole. Let's name him Chuck. <laughs> All right. Now, uh another theory is that this one's probably in my eyes, probably the most plausible one was the Japanese's involvement um, because they were definitely around that area. So according to the Fiji Times and Herald, there had they had apparently received word from a, quote, impeccable source. Of course, impeccable sources never lie, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> that, <laughs> that basically the, uh, the MV Hoita had crossed paths with a group of Japanese fishing vessels. Now, according to the source, the boat had came across these ships and they had something on board that they did not want the uh, MV Hoita to see. So they boarded the ship and then they murdered them all, tossed their bodies over overboard or whatever. Now, some people claim that when they found the wreckage of the ship, they found Japanese knives on the board, but they didn't talk about them because maybe it would have started some chaos or something started a war. I I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I don't know. I know uh, like the Japanese whaling ships, especially when it became illegal, they were um, like really aggressive. Um, If they were Japanese whaling ships, maybe that could have happened. Um, I don't know. Was there like any pirate activity in this area? I know pirate activity like, really went down after the United States started patrolling all those waters. Now um, that, that is another theory. Um, I was going to talk about that next, but is there Japanese pirates? I think that there's like, they're not like officially like flying the Japanese flag or anything like that. But I, I imagine that there was, you know, all pirates from all sorts of countries back then. Now, was whaling illegal in 1955? Had it been deemed illegal yet? No, I don't think so. Yeah, so I think what what they kind of are leaning on is like the Japanese had something they weren't supposed to, and when they crossed paths with this ship, they're like, we have to kill them. I, I mean, mm. I, I don't know. It, what if it wasn't a fishing vessel? What if it was like a Japanese military vessel or something like that? Oh, after the um, the Japanese were supposed to draw down their military after World War II. So maybe if they were using fishing boats as like military vessels, that could have been, I suppose. That could have been. Well, Running drills they weren't supposed to, maybe. Yeah, it's possible. It's funny, like, Pete, obviously people are going to toss out whatever theories or whatever on this case, but... Um, I don't know where the report of finding Japanese knives came from, but apparently they did. So I, I don't know. I get, do you think the governments here would have tried to hide that? Maybe. I don't know. It's kind of weird because whenever I hear like someone talking about 
like from a very reliable source, usually it's straight out of their ass. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. Especially newspapers around this time, they didn't really have to be honest. So. <laughs> Oh, no, there was no there was no fact checking going on. No. <laughs> now, uh, uh, there's another theory that's kind of involved with another government. Uh, some people believe it could have been a Soviet submarine because obviously this was uh, the Cold War was starting to brew at this point. Maybe the Soviet submarine took them out. Um, I don't know why they would do it, but I, I don't know. What if? What if they stumbled upon a Soviet submarine sitting there? Do you think they would have killed them? It's possible. I mean, maybe the Soviets thought that it was like a spy vessel, or it was a former United States military vessel. So they thought it could, maybe they thought it was still in service. They could be, or maybe they didn't want, the Soviets didn't want them to know that they were going around in the water over there or something, and they were in that area. Or they were just kind of pressing their influence. That could be too. It could be. That's again. That's a wild theory. Um, and then we move on to the pirates theory, like you mentioned. Like you said, some people think they might have just pirate ship was tracking them because they had valuable cargo on there. Uh, they boarded the ship, killed them, threw the crew overboard, uh, and then stole a bunch of the cargo because the cargo was missing. Um, so that's definitely a theory. I don't know. Oh, I didn't hear that part about the cargo being missing. Yeah, some some of the cargo was missing. Um, were were they on their way? They were on their way to pick up the valuable stuff, the really valuable stuff, right? They were, yes, but they still. It sounded like they still had stuff on board. So, so that yeah, I suppose pirates, if they were just patrolling around that island trying to grab any ship they thought might have the was it Chopra. On it? Uh, Copra, yeah. Copra. They might have been just taking out any vessel that they thought might have it on there, on board. Well, it's it's confusing because it sounds like they were preparing to go pick up a big shipment, but they also had stuff on board. Now, uh, for those who don't know, Copra is dried coconut kernels uh, to make uh, oils, basically. So, more or less what it is. Yeah. It's uh, I, I don't I've know. never I've never heard of it. I thought it was actually something else, but <laughs> what do you think it was like cobras? I thought it was just snakes. Like spice. I thought it was spices. Uh, the the Wikipedia here says cobra is a is the dried meat or kernel of the coconut, which is the fruit of the coconut palm. Coconut oils extracted from cobra and coconut oils basically like in fucking everything. So um, it's super expensive when you buy it from a store too. Oh, yeah, it's like. Like if you if it's always in the, like the top shelf, like right next to all the other expensive fucking oils. <laughs> I mean, it, it, I think it's supposed to be a healthier oil than like vegetable yeah. oil and all that. So supposedly, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I could this be a crew of uh, Kiwi pirates, New Zealander pirates? Could be. I imagine they all have uh, like they're all eating Vegemite. They got big knives on them, and <laughs> you know, you know who's a. Fucking- the, the open jean vest. You know who's a uh, famous New Zealander? Who's that? Peter Jackson, guy who made Lord of the Rings. Oh, yeah. yeah. Is he a Kiwi? I didn't know that. What's that? Is he a Kiwi? He is, yeah. That. He is. I'm pretty, that, I'm almost positive he is, yeah. Is that a derogatory term towards New Zealanders, or is that what they call themselves? Uh, maybe we should have <laughs> looked into that, but I think it's fine. <laughs> I've heard it said enough. On 
It's not. It, it doesn't seem like it's offensive, but maybe it is. I don't know. <laughs> Come to think of it, the podcast I hear people saying Kiwi all the time, I think is maybe your guys's. So nah, <laughs> it's fine. Well, new we have New Zealand listeners. I know that. So they can certainly reach out to us and tell us <laughs> if they think it's offensive. Send your hate mail to at subliminal D podcast. There you go. <laughs> now, uh, another another po- uh, cause. Same with the Titanic insurance fraud. Um, now, this one's really fucking convoluted and really grasping for straws. Basically, the theory is Captain Miller was so far in fucking debt, he was in deep shit, right? So they think he might have faked his death so the debt collectors couldn't get him, I guess. <laughs> I, I don't know. Uh, but again, if it was insurance fraud or he had insurance on the ship or something, there's literally no lines showing that anybody collected funds from it at all. So it's kind <laughs> faking of a, your, faking your death for the insurance is a bold move for bold men. Yes, <laughs> it's true. That's true. I It would have been a lot easier to get get away with it at this point, but he would have had to kill everybody just to pretend he was dead. Yeah, a smarter move for him if he was doing that would be just to, in the middle of the night, steal one of the dinghies, take off, and then, like, throw some, like, broken boards overboard from the dinghy to make it look like there was a wreck. And then just sail down to, like, New Zealand or Australia or something like that. Or a little island just to get away. Yeah, I... I... uh, You might as well have said Barack Obama killed everybody on the ship and stole the Cobra. It's it's about as close as that one's gonna get to the uh, a realistic cause. Oh shit! I owe fifteen hundred bucks to Citibank and I'm never gonna be able to pay it back. Well, I better kill these twenty three other people, <laughs> half sink this boat, and then escape. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna move on to uh, the last theory I have written down. Now there's a I I think he's a professor. Or an academic, his name's David Wright. He believes that he has solved the entire mystery. And really, uh, it's not that outlandish. I think this is like common sense. So what he thinks is the vessel started taking water. The crew sent out the distress signal, believing that help was going to come because they didn't know that their radio couldn't broadcast far enough. Um, So then they just sat in the life rafts and ended up drowning because there wasn't enough life preservers or they f- went in the water and were eaten by sharks or something. Um, but the biggest problem, again, is that the captain would have known that the ship was not going to fully submerge. So, again, there's in all the theories, there's holes with all of them. And the fact that they weren't that far off of the path of their destination, especially when the ship started taking water. Um, and how would covering a hundred thousand square miles and they knew approximately where the ship should have been on its path, how the hell they missed it for so long. You know what I mean? Yeah, that is a good point. Um, they, well, they didn't really know like when it like deviate started deviating from its path. Like that could have happened to it right after it got out like offshore all the way up until it almost made it to its destination. But so I, I think what they think happened is it was on the correct path. Ship got abandoned. 
And then over the next five weeks, it had slowly drifted that 600 miles off of the path. Oh, yeah, I know. That's what I mean. It, But the the point is, like I'm trying to say is, when did it start? Like, when before they were searching, they had no idea, like, when it might have started to drift. So, like, their area of search, they yeah. would have had to search such a big area. Yeah, that's true. Like, they're projected, like where this ship could be. But but think about it like this as well. So um, it was supposed to reach the destination in two days. And on basically the second day or third day when they didn't show up, they immediately sent out a search and rescue party. So you would think within one day, two days max of them being off the path, the ship couldn't have drifted that far away. No, it couldn't have. I suppose... Yeah, I guess you're right. I didn't really think about that. Yeah, so it's like it's like the ship literally fucking disappeared for five weeks, and then the guy stumbled upon. You, you know what I mean? Like, I, yeah. I don't. That's the weird part. It, it it's almost like the ship disappeared and then magically reappeared with nobody on board, and the life ships disappeared. Um, but well, I mean, what if pirates got on board? This is a theory that I just came up with what if pirates got on board stole the ship like took it away killed all the passengers and then when they were done with the ship like they tried to scuttle it but it wouldn't sink so they just left that see that yeah that's a good point too i guess after five weeks they figured enough time had passed and they just kind of set it out there and let people find it or they or they tried to sink it but it wouldn't sink Mm. yeah that's a good point too actually Huh. Um, now, how much do you know about this Dragon's Triangle thing? Uh, I don't know too much. I just know it's on the opposite end of the world. Like, it's on the other side of the world of the Bermuda Triangle. And apparently there's a lot of weird, like, ship and plane, disa- like, boat and plane disappearances that happen in this large area. So basically, like the Bermuda Triangle where, like, there's a lot of disappearances and then there's people who, like, report time travel stuff and stuff like that isn't it yeah like uh like time distortion or seeing things from the past like come you know oh yeah seeing yeah, a yeah. Boat, seeing seeing boats that um shouldn't be there we should i think that's like uh that's something i think we probably will eventually cover like little cases about those areas in the future i think i think that shit's so interesting obviously you never know if these people are lying or not but uh it's uh, it's definitely interesting. So your is your main your main theory on this disappearance is probably the pirates. Well, I mean, yeah, I think pirates or um, there had to have, there had to have been a reason why there was all the bloody bandages and like I mean, you said that they think this goes in with they found knives but covered it up. Yeah, but there there had to have been some kind of like attack. And then um, it also is like, that's my conspiracy theory thought of it. What most obviously happened, I think, is just the the fucking ship broke and they thought it was going to sink. So they took off thinking that they had a distress call out. So, yeah, it's it, it, it don't I, I always feel like they should have found you'd think they would have found some remnants of the sh- of a lifeboat clothing from these people like anything you know what i mean yeah it's kind of weird you would have 
you would have thought that they would have at least found like if it was a shark attack, they would have found like the broken up ship or, you know, um, life preservers floating around um, or like clothes and all of that stuff from yeah. or wreckage. So it is a little odd that they found nothing like no trace of anything here. Here's the other thing. Um, the, I, I just heard this recently that sharks don't like the taste of humans. That's why most people have like a shark bite and then they kind of like take off. They get spat out. Yeah, they don't they don't like the taste of humans. So that's why they don't like rip you in a million pieces. They just bite you and then they realize they don't like it and they spit it out and take off. Well, I heard that when when surfers get attacked, it's because the shark thought that they were a dolphin. Yeah. Yeah, took a that, bite and then realized it's not a dolphin and then just ran off. Yeah, so that's that's where it's like I I don't think a shark would have shark frenzy they would have magically decided to eat 25 people. You did say that there were bloody bandages which means someone was injured. So if they made it off the boat and were bleeding into the water, maybe. Yeah. But there that's was a the, ton of sharks. That's the other thing like what what we're saying is sharks generally will not eat a whole human being they'll uh, they'll see blood attack it and then realize that's not what they like to eat and not eat you <laughs> i hmm. guess so i, I hey, what the what island like where are the islands are they just north of new zealand that this all happened yeah it's uh on the picture it's basically around fiji give it a quick google just type in mv Huita uh, travel or something. There's a map on there. It's basically just north of uh, New Zealand, kind of. I saw the pictures of it, Fiji Islands and all that. So uh, it, it's kind of interesting. Well, I was looking up where the dra- the Dragon's Triangle is, and it was a lot further north than I thought it was. Oh, so, really? Okay. Yeah. This is oh, okay. So it's down in Samoa. Mm. So yeah. It would have been a lot further south than what the Dragon's Triangle was. Dragon's Triangle is from the Philippines to like southern Japan and then over to Guam. So mm. that's a lot further like north along the coast of like China and Japan than where this is. Okay. So, I mean, I guess technically we can't put the uh, Dragon Islands in there then. Yeah. No. Or the, the Dragon the dra- Triangle. The Dragon Triangle. And uh, I feel like that's kind of inherently racist a little bit, right? <laughs> yeah, a little bit. <laughs> Why they call it that. <laughs> yeah, okay. But uh, <laughs> anyway, Phil. So, uh, yeah, that wraps up this case. If anybody wants to kind of tell us what they think happened to these people, tell us if they have any explanations, if they've heard of this story, I'll, where can they do that at? They can hit us up on subliminaldpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, we're also on Instagram subliminal deception podcast uh pretty easy you know just to uh jump on there ask us a question it's actually the easiest way to get a hold of us we also have our own personal instagrams mine's sdbodphil and since i've been uh pretty much my weekends have been quarantined i've been actually posting more lately so hit me up on there cody you have a couple yeah you can follow my personal instagram at cody zabum I could uh, follow my other podcast, Bumbo Podcast, or you can search for that on whatever podcasting application you're using to listen to this. Uh, check it out if you like true crime, paranormal, all that stuff. Uh, the last thing we need you to do is to 
log on to iTunes, leave the show a five-star review, preferably written, or if you're a Spotify user, just uh, hit that follow button and, and always be updated when we drop a new conspiracy. Otherwise, I hope you guys all enjoyed the episode. I hope everybody's staying safe out there. And, uh, yeah, self-quarantine, stay home, listen to podcasts. Anyway, we'll see you guys next week. All right, see you guys. Thanks.